Folks, uh, I'm just going to start right off this morning and tell you that I, I we are having internet issues here, so you don't even need to mention it if there are issues uh, uh, coming where you are. Um, it is it is uh, inconsistent this morning at best. So uh, if there are problems, my apologies. We've rebooted and rebooted a few different times, so there's something going on. Uh, in the broader system, apparently. So uh, because this is live, that's why I start off and tell you that because I don't want you uh, wondering what's going on. Um, just the fact that we've, we've got that issue uh, and that we don't, we're not, don't seem to be running in full strength. Now, maybe where you are, things are just fine. Uh, but on my end, uh, things are a little, a little bit quirky this morning. We are in the book of Ephesians. We are in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We are on the home stretch 
uh, of Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to try to walk us through to the answer here um, of what does it mean to pray in the Spirit. We're going to try to walk us through to the end of the chapter so that we can uh, uh, conclude this book, and then we'll decide where we're going to move on from there. Uh, I don't always have a plan uh, of what's next. Uh, maybe I need to have that plan, but there are so many different things that we're involved in in doing, and uh, things can change from day to day. So a glorious day yesterday. Those in our current uh, locale here who were able to make it made it on out to uh, Moose Point State Park. We had a fantastic day, nice breeze, uh, not too hot, not too cold, good food, played some games, talked to people, uh, just a, a very, very nice time together. And, and it had a decent showing of folks yesterday for that. And uh, we're grateful here at Veracity Chapel in Morrill, Maine, where, where, uh, where I am hailing from, where I'm sitting this morning in Morrill, Maine. And, uh, um, the Moose Point State Park, a lovely, lovely park on the Penobscot Bay uh, in Belfast, uh, Searsport, Belfast, lovely, lovely area. And if uh, you live in the area and never been there, I encourage you to go down there. There's a nice walking path that you can enjoy, and uh, maybe you could go enjoy that path, and a little bit of fresh air would would do you good, would do me good, I know that, uh, and uh uh, just thinking this morning, I, I needed a little some type of a change up somehow uh, in the next day or two, uh, and uh, try to find that. So we are in Ephesians chapter six, beginning at verse eighteen. Paul says these words. He says, "And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints." Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, to me, it's interesting. Here is one of the foremost thinkers ever theologically, uh, one whom God chose to write the scriptures uh, in, in the sense of Half, at least half of the New Testament, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, a man who was used to establish churches uh, all throughout Turkey and Greece and Rome, and God used in, in phenomenal ways. And uh, yet here he is saying, Pray for me that I might have boldness. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I might fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. So um, pray that I might declare it fearlessly. Just think, if you ever feel like you are spiritually chicken, here's the Apostle Paul asking that people pray for him, that he might have words, praying that not only that he might have words, but that he might be able to declare the gospel fearlessly. So he's asking for wisdom. He's asking for courage. Um, twice in verses 19 and 20, he says, pray that I might make it known uh, fearlessly, that I might declare it 
fearlessly. Uh, so if you are ever in a place where, where you have a little bit of apprehension or a lot of apprehension, as the case may be, to realize that you're not alone. Here's the Apostle Paul, the great, uh, the, the great theologian, uh, the great church planter, the great apostle asking for that same type of prayer as well. So uh, we, we need to pray. We need to pray for ourselves to, to have wisdom in communicating the gospel. We need to ha- uh, pray for ourselves that we would have the ability to uh, make Christ known um, and to be fearless when, when we have the opportunity to share the gospel. We, we need to pray that way, that, that God would help us to be able to do that. Uh, and that we would be engaged evangelistically in what is happening in our world and asking God to use us, asking God to open the doors, praying and watching. You pray and say, God, I'm looking for you to open the door so that I might be able to declare the gospel as it needs to be declared. And when... When uh, when God gives you that opportunity, that you then take that opportunity, and that we would learn to be prayerful. Uh, I'm going to put something up here on the screen. Uh, I shared this yesterday uh, in our service. I'll share it again today. What if we all were intentional about praying for lost people? Uh, what if all of us, I mean, there there are dozens of people that we come across any given day who uh, perhaps need to know Christ, but what if in our lives we had three or four or five people for whom we consistently prayed, for whom we consistently sought to cultivate the relationship, with whom we, we sought opportunity to plant the seeds of the gospel, uh, and and we took those steps, took those measures. What 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 would it be like if we had an entire church thinking and praying this direction? And, and it looked like this. I shared this top five prayer list. Uh, people that, for whom you're praying, you could put prayer targets or whatever. But these are names of people, names of people that you want to introduce to Christ. And as you look down. Look across this. You see a line which on which you would write their name. You see a C, you see a P, and you see an R. And we outlined that yesterday. And this is not something that's original to me. This this is something that was developed uh, through Sun Life Ministries, uh, Global Youth Initiative, Concentric. Uh, it has evolved over the years, and uh, it's taught around the world the idea of cultivating relationships with people. The idea of planting the seed, the, the idea of reaping the harvest, CPR, uh, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, if you were to think of it in a spiritual sense, spiritual, spiritually breathing new life into people, spiritually helping their heart to beat spiritually, that God would use us to, to, to perform CPR on people spiritually, to bring them to life spiritually. People are, are dead spiritually. They need to be brought from death to life. And that God would use us to perform CPR on people. Also a little little acrostic for uh, cultivate, plant, and reap. Just this idea. Here's Paul praying, asking prayer in Ephesians chapter 6, that he would have boldness, that he would have words, 
uh, if we were praying together with each other, and this is probably something we're going to begin to work into our worship services, uh, pausing to do this, what if we would just stop and pray together with other people for for those that don't know Christ? Uh, or, or maybe this becomes a Wednesday night service and, and very much about these types of focuses and try, trying to figure out where this fits in. But it needs to fit into your life. It needs to fit into my life. Now, you might not be uh, living here in Moral, Maine or the vicinity around Moral, Maine in 25-mile radius or anything like that. You might be in uh, Pennsylvania. You might be in uh, the Philippines. You might be in Kenya. But if we would teach people to think about praying for lost people as we had on this on this little prayer chart like this and these and keep this a focus and ask God to give us the opportunities. Okay, we might not hit it perfectly, but friends, I would assure you much more would happen than if we didn't take this approach, if that makes sense. I hope it makes sense. I hope you understand uh, exactly what it is that, that we're saying here. And I just realized this. There we go. That's why that looks off. Um, but to pray together to pray for uh, people that don't know Christ. Paul asked that people pray for him in this same regard, that he would have the boldness, that he would have the wisdom to to be able to make Christ known. Uh, I've labored that point enough, Just, but it's just the idea that, that we would have the uh, that we would have the same type of focus, the same type of prayerfulness that Paul had. Now, I'm going to get back into verse 18 here in just a moment. But just one more gander at this list, top five prayer list. What if we all prayed together about our, you know, our top five prayer list? So there it is for us to become intentional. Uh, it would be great if the entire church became intentional, but you know what? I, I'll I'll count it gain if half of us uh, make this a very intentional part of our lives. Love to see it be the entire church, but but even if half of us, what a significant difference could be made in the life of this church, uh, but also whatever, what, whatever other church you might be a part of if you're not uh, here local to where we are. So uh, let me take us back into the text so that we can see the text uh, and what it has to say. Um. Here we go. He says this in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Yesterday, I outlined uh, in, in the Sunday, uh, August, no, Sunday, July 31st worship service, I outlined several different things that you can do to bolster your prayer life things that would help you toward all all types of prayers there are there are intercessory prayers where we're praying for other people there are prayers that, that come as groans from within us as we are deeply burdened by a variety of different situations and circumstances that we might be going through or that other people uh, might be going through so we have that as well uh, that that we that we pray with groans. Sometimes you just don't know what to say, and, and, and your heart is crying out to God. It speaks of that in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. Um, 
but pray in the spirit. Now, this this is a very interesting phrase um, that has, for some people, it, it means one thing, and for others of us, it means something far, far more than that. Um, now, depending on where you're coming from theologically, you will take what I just said and, and maybe want to lean your direction with it and say, yep, the pastor understands. Uh, well, maybe I don't understand. Um, maybe I, I don't see it the same way. For some to pray in the Spirit means that, that you're in like a trance or something. I don't think that's at all what this means. Uh, the, the, the idea of praying in the Spirit is praying with the mind of the Spirit. How do we know the mind of the Spirit? But by the Word of God. How do we pray in the Spirit? Well, we were told back in chapter 5, verse 18. It's interesting, chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 6, verse 18, we're told to uh, be filled with the Spirit, and and we liken that to being under the Spirit's control, that he controls our thoughts, he controls our attitudes, he controls our actions, uh, he controls our desires, he controls the outcomes, he controls all of these things. Uh, so to be filled with the Spirit, some think that to be filled with the Spirit means that there will be uh, all kinds of exceptional expressions of the Spirit. I don't think that's what it means. Uh, now, I'm not saying that it couldn't mean that on occasion. Uh, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that those who limit the idea of praying in the Spirit, that you'll pray in a tongue, I've never spoken in tongues in 42 years. I have no desire. I don't think it will make me any more spiritual uh, than than what I am. I, I think the Holy Spirit will make me more spiritual, and growth in Christ through the Word of God will make me more spiritual. A more surrender will make me more spiritual. More awareness of the presence of God will make me more spiritual. More being more surrendered in my being to to the to the ways of God and the will of God that will make me more spiritual. Uh, but some limit this. The idea of praying in the Spirit is you pray in a prayer language. Again, I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as a prayer language. I've never experienced it. Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 speaks about speaking in a in a prayer language. Now, there's some will say, well, it's always language. Well, no, friends, there is a caveat in 1 Corinthians 14 that there is this, some type of angelic prayer language. It's there. It, it's in the text. We have to look at it and deal with it. Um most places, though, the idea of praying in a tongue is 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 glossolalia. It is a language uh, that that is the word glossolalia in the Greek. It's a language, uh, and if if we are praying in a language around a group of people, somebody needs to be able to interpret what we're saying. If we're in a group of people and and we're we're speaking that prayer language out loud, Paul makes it abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that there's always to be an interpreter or that is not to happen. So for those that for those that would completely discredit the idea of prayer languages or speaking praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, it is in the scripture. For for those who uh would lean the other direction and say, well, I fully believe in, in, in a prayer language and, and praying in tongues and whatnot, uh, or speaking in tongues. Again, there is clear direction in Scripture of, of what how that is supposed to be conducted. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's very clear. Uh, and there are churches that, that, that practice 
talk, as as a corporate gathering practice speaking in tongues and things. And I have to wonder if often it is out of order and inconsistent with the Word of God because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, there are instructions for worship, for, for the gathering of God's people, and if there is a speaking in a tongue, uh, then that speaking in a tongue is to always have an interpreter. you got to wrestle through these things. What I'm saying is I personally think that that for people who would take the the tact that to pray in the Spirit means that you're going to pray in 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 a vision or pray in um, in a tongue or pray in I personally think that that, that limits the work of the spirit. Uh, I, I think to pray in the spirit is, is the idea of I'm trying to be a spiritually mature person. I'm trying to allow the word of God to direct my thoughts, my actions, my behaviors, my practices. Uh, I, I'm trying to be open to 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 the spirit uh, working in my soul and in my being to pray in the spirit. Uh, I forget who it was. I don't remember if it was Nell. Um. And I don't remember if I reposted it. Yeah, it was now the other day. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, it, I mean, if, if you're praying in the Spirit, guess what? That means you're praying in, in ways that God's going to make you. Con- yeah, it was now. I know it was now. And I, I love these these thoughts. You, you, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying in a way that the Spirit's going to prompt uh, and prod and poke into your life. You're praying in the Spirit. You're going to pray in ways that is going to cause you to confess. It's going to cause you to repent. Uh, it's going to cause you to turn. It's going to cause you to look at your life. I mean, th- that is what praying in the Spirit c- could mean. That's another aspect of to pray in the Spirit. Oftentimes, it's praying in the Spirit. And I've known people that perceive themselves to be praying in the Spirit, and their life's a walking train wreck, and they offend people left and right. And yet, well, I pray in the Spirit. Well, if you're not living in the love of God for other people, if you're not living in awareness of other people, if you're not living with consideration to other people, uh, if if you aren't looking out for the best interest of someone else first, friend, I might suggest to you that you think you're praying in the Spirit, but you just might not be. Um, because to pray in the Spirit means you're going to pray in the love of Christ as well. To pray in the Spirit means that, that we are are praying like Christ, to to, to pray in the Spirit means that we are being matured in, in our character. We're being matured in our conduct. Uh, and again, I, I have not written off on either direction. I have not written off the more spectacular demonstrations of, of prayer in the Spirit. I've not written that off. Some would like me to do that. I won't do that um, because... Uh, I, I can read about it in 1 Corinthians 14. I am not a cessationist. I do not believe that, that the gifts all had to go out. Uh, as, as as dispensationalists would say, you know, the miraculous gifts all had. I don't believe that. I, I believe that there, there can be uh, those miraculous gifts still in play for today. However, I do think that, that some... Uh, focus so much on those aspects that they miss greater theological truth. Uh, they 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 miss some of the other much more straightforward maturity aspects. Uh, uh, 
sometimes I've known some folks, and I see it both ways. I see, I see Bible scholars uh, who can be uh, abusive of other people, and I see people who who maybe are not Bible scholars, but but those who are would call would consider themselves the, the spiritual who live life in the spirit and trances and visions and dreams. Uh, I, I've seen them be abusive as well, uh, and to not be abusive uh, either direction means that we're trying to have the heart of Christ. That we're you, you go back to the passages like Philippians chapter two. Let me take us there real fast and uh, remind us of what we were shown and told and taught. Philippians chapter two. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any fellowship of the Spirit. Friends, you and I ought to be able to uh, experience fellowship of the Spirit. I experience fellowship of the Spirit. Now, again, I've never had a vision. I've never dreamed a dream. I mean, I've dreamed dreams, but I mean a spiritual dream. I've never had a trance. I've never been caught up to the 12th heaven. I've never spoken in a tongue, none of those things ever, but I have had rich fellowship with the Spirit, and that fellowship with the Spirit comes into play as we're cognizant of the Spirit and of His work, uh, cognizant of, of, of Him trying to direct our hearts and our minds and make us live like Jesus. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So the idea of being like-minded. Verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then it, verse 5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Friends, this this is a spirit-controlled life when we're looking out for other people, not just looking out to our own interests and seeking to be like-minded and being one in in, in spirit and in purpose. Those things. Uh, this, this, to me, is the spiritual life. Being like Christ is the spiritual life. Trying to be aware of, of Christ at all times in our lives, in the presence of God who is always with us at all times. To me, friends, I, I believe that is the spiritual life um, that God is calling us to live. Uh, again, some have had bad experiences with with um, with some of the spiritual places. Uh, those who, who uh, seem to demonstrate, I'm going to put in quotes, a spiritual superiority. Some have had some very bad experiences, but here's what we have to be careful of. We have to be careful that we don't go to the opposite extreme in response to the bad experience. Um, sometimes there is just a very fine line between uh, error and how we're actually supposed to live. And so what happens is we experience error in our lives in, in, in somebody that's either biblically abusive, and I've seen people thump people with the Bible, I've seen it happen, or that are spiritually abusive by the quote-unquote gifts of the Spirit, and I've seen people that are abusive that way. Well, God showed me that, and you need to, and, and they're quite quite controlling as people, and almost like they're the only ones that can hear from God I've literally seen people who are like that, uh, and 
just because you have someone that's a Bible thumper doesn't mean that we should be afraid of the Bible and become good theologians. We should become good theologians. Just because you've been around somebody that is a spirit thumper, if I can call them that, doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't have an awareness of, uh, uh, of the workings and the wooings of the spirit in our hearts and our minds. What we tend to do is overreact. And, uh, uh, and I just want to encourage us to not overreact. So, uh, and, and it's being said here, Satan can copy. I mean, we, we need to be so very aware uh, of, of the counterfeits of Satan. Uh, we're taught in the book of Revelation that, uh, just responding to a comment here, we're taught in the book of Revelation that Satan will, uh, will even de- deceive the very elect. Uh, that is in the book of Revelation. We are, we are told that, that that will happen. Uh, I mean, he mimics God. He he deceives God. Now, now let me give us some thoughts about praying in the Spirit. Just want to look over some of the notes that I have here. Uh, again, praying in the Spirit, I think, is an awareness of God. It's an awareness of the Word of God. It's an awareness of the ways of God. It's taught in the Word of God. It's an awareness of, of the, the Spirit prompting in our lives. I mean, the Spirit is going to put his, his finger on our chest, and he's going to say to us, um, The Spirit is going to uh, say to us things like, you know, you need to confess that sin. You know, you were kind of harsh to your spouse. You know, you were kind of harsh to your kids and those types of things. And uh, praying with the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is mentioned three times in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, uh, I pray. Paul says, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind, bringing both the spirit and the mind together. Um, Ephesians 6, 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. And Jude uh 20 says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, it asks the question, I mean, it begs the question, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? The Greek word translated pray in can actually have several different meanings. Um, it can mean by means of, with the help of, in the sphere of, in connection to, so uh, to pray in is, is all of those things with God helping us to pray. Uh, it can mean by the means of the Spirit bringing us before God. It can mean um, in the sphere of, in connection to. Uh, praying in the Spirit does not refer to the words we are saying. It refers to how we are praying, the heart with which we're praying. Praying in the Spirit is praying according to the Spirit's leading, the things that come to mind that we should be praying about. It's praying for for things the Spirit leads us to pray about. Uh, Romans 8.26, I've already mentioned this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray, and the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with words, with groans that words cannot express. Uh, again, some based on the book of uh, 
1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, equate praying in spirit with praying in tongues. We've already kind of discussed that. Uh, Paul instructs us to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So that could mean that you pray in tongues, but that might mean you pray with your mind and, and you pray uh, with with intelligence. And Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, he would rather when the people are gathered that they would pray uh, with intelligent words that everybody can understand. I mean, that's you just go back and read it, 1 Corinthians 14. Praying in the Spirit should be understood as praying in the power of the Spirit by leading the Spirit according to His will, and, and that's how that can be understood. Um, let me look at a few more notes. Uh, I had to close out my computer. Uh earlier and I lost what I had open here so I need to go back and open this back up some other thoughts uh, praying in the spirit uh, I could put it this way praying in the spirit is uh, prayer with divine help it's trusting in faith and relying on God to hear, to understand, and to act. Praying in the Spirit is a gift to be received uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, we've already looked at several verses. John Gill had this to say. Prayer, when performed aright, is performed in the Spirit, with the heart, with the soul, with the spirit, with the mind engaged. It is to it is put up with a true heart, with a right spirit, without hypocrisy, uh, in a spiritual way and with great fervency and under the influence and by the assistance uh, of the Holy Spirit. That is what it means. Uh, the beginning of understanding what it means to pray in the Spirit is accepting Paul's words. We do not what we ought to pray, but we pray with the help of God. Uh, prayer is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are told, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Prayer is not to be a burden, not just with rules and rituals, but for relationship with him. And while praying without ceasing is a command, the Spirit himself enables us and empowers us to pray. Um, John Milton said this, praying in the Spirit is an indispensable part of the Christian life. Opinions admittedly vary about the exact meaning of praying in the Spirit. There are sort of theological claims about how to achieve prayer in the Spirit uh, as if the admonition is a skill to be acquired. It's not as a gift to be received, a life to be lived. Prayer with divine help is praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is altogether a divine activity that one appropriates through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. To pray in the Spirit is to walk in the Spirit, to worship in the Spirit. Uh, it is to come before the Lord according to his appointed means. That is the one whom the Spirit magnifies, who is Jesus himself. That is prayer uh, in the Spirit. Well, I, I could share more. Uh, I, I think I've labored this enough for us. I just want to encourage us to, to be people who take to heart uh, 
what uh, So the question is being asked when the apostles speak in different languages who benefits from that well there uh, I, I I will I will speak there are two different things that, that we read about in the scripture uh, in the book of Acts the day of Pentecost Acts chapter 2 it is clearly evident from the context that the people heard them speak in their own languages it's there you just go read it the first oh I don't know uh 10 verses of Acts chapter 2 uh 11 verses uh Thirteen verses, the first thirteen verses of Acts chapter two, people were hearing them speak in their own languages. However, there is in First Corinthians chapter fourteen. I want to bring this up because the question is being asked. Uh, he says this in verse six. 1 Corinthians 14. He says, Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Uh, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak with intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Verse 14, undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing uh, with my mind. Um, down here at verse 14, in the church, I'd rather speak, I'm sorry, verse 19. Uh, in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Uh, brothers, stop being like children. Regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, uh, be like uh, adults. Verse 22 says, uh, Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together, everyone speaks in tongues, and some do not understand, or some unbelievers come in, they will not understand what... What you're saying, they'll think you're out of your mind. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying in a known language, he will be convinced that he is a sinner and and that uh, will be judged by all. The secrets of his heart will be laid bare and he will fall, fall down to worship. Prophecy is the communication of the word of God. Uh, I want to go back up. Verse 4 says this, uh, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Prophecy, again, that is speaking um, the word of God to people. 
Uh, I'm trying to scan down through here because I wasn't in this passage. I uh, didn't intend to come to this passage, but the question was asked. Um, there's a lot in this passage. Uh, there, There's a verse in here, and I, I'm just looking over it, uh, overlooking it, I guess I would say. Where Paul says that he speaks about speaking in the in a, in a prayer language, uh, and he's it's in this passage. It's here. I, I'm just not putting my eyes to it. I'd encourage you to go back and read through First uh, Corinthians 14 when he speaks about praying. Uh, he probably prays in a tongue more than anyone. He says, uh, "I'm just not finding it here." Uh, quickly this morning, but it is in First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen where he speaks about doing this. Let me go back to Ephesians, uh, and I want to finish out Ephesians chapter six real fast here. Um, prayer, praying in the Spirit, praying that we'd be a witness. He goes on and talks about to Tychicus, dear brother, faithful servant, Lord. I tell you, he will tell you everything that you may know. How I am and what I'm doing, the people were concerned about. Uh, were concerned about um, Paul and how he was doing. He was in Macedonia, uh, that part of the world, Greece, uh, most likely in prison. And in fact, he is in prison. It makes it very abundantly clear in the in the, this book. Um, and the people were concerned. So Tychicus was going to bring word about how he was doing. And he says in verse 22, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. And he concludes with peace to the brothers uh, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. I mean, there's so much I can say about that, that you and I would have an undying love for Christ as well. Um I want to give invitation. I, I am giving prayerful consideration to forming a a separate 501c3, uh, another ministry uh, that will be called, well, I'm not going to say what it will be called because uh, I'll let you find out. But I would encourage you as I'm praying about doing this uh, uh, that, that you might consider partnering with me. As Paul has talked about various people uh here in uh, in his letters and how they've supported the ministry. Yes, you support the local church here, but as we are trying to work to uh, fan the flame of gospel ministry here all across the state of Maine and other places uh, that you might uh, as well say, hey, I, I want to partner with you further. Uh, that will get developed. Uh, you might become a, a patron, a Patreon member in that way, supporter in that way. Um, but be praying for for what we're doing. There's a restlessness within me, and I'm saying, Lord, what does this look like? Uh, there's much more that needs to happen and uh, much more focused. And uh, so I'd, I'd ask you, as Paul had partners in his ministry, that you would consider what uh, your partnership looks like with not only with Veracity Chapel, but with me uh, in particular as we uh, look at launching a, a, another another brand, branch, that uh, will help us uh, gain support and have resources that we need to do the many things that we're trying to do across the state of Maine and other places. So, friends, I'm going to let you get into your day. Uh, I hope that it hasn't been an awful day in terms of your 
viewing ability uh, because I, I know we have some type of internet issue going on today. But I, I, I trust that you've been encouraged. I trust that you've been given insight. I trust that you will seek to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with the help of the Spirit, with the mind of the Spirit, with the direction of the Spirit, with the Spirit at work within your own heart and mind. Uh, and that all of us will pray in that way, and that the result of our prayers will be the glory of Jesus Christ. So, anyway, here we go. This last concluding remark, a blessing to hear my young grandchild asking periodically, Grammy, can I say a prayer? Boom. I love it. Thrilled to stop and kneel immediately. An example, children learn what they live. Yep, and they'll learn what we live, too. So, anyway. Lord, help us today to, to pray in the Spirit. Help us to, to align ourselves with you, to live with you, to walk with you, to be used by you for the glory of Jesus. That's our prayer, Lord, that when we're living for the glory of Jesus and living full of, of Jesus, living, as Paul said, the life I live, I, I, the life I live, I no longer live. My life is dying, but but now I'm finding fresh life, new life. The life life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Lord, help us to live in that faith today that we would glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I'm not sure where we're going to head tomorrow. I guess you'll have to come find out. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>